You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome everyone to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, first ranking officer of the Terry McLaurin Stand Club, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara and BFS with the Oracle, your humble host Pete Rogers, and I am joined by some of the guys today. We have Scotty Miller fanboy, Mule Skinner of the Zach Ertz Decline Wagon, Jimmy Graham's favorite cornhole partner, the Coach Whisperer, the Wine Sipperer, the Will Dislier, Working Girl Jordan Smith. And fantasy football's premier internet doctor, loather of Adam Gase, sub-lieutenant of the SS Deshaun Jackson, and thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, uh, the ginger stubble man, Nick Botterford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing good, Pete. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Nick, do you like the fact that our listeners are kept in constant update as to exactly the length of your beard? Yeah, at some point, I think you can just say, like, covidly hazard or haggard but um yeah people people want to know how long your beard is they want to know how whether or not you're you know letting it grow keeping it trim you know and if you could always when you do a drastic face change nick if you could explain your reasoning behind it um i think listeners would appreciate that Uh, i've been tired so i have not shaved well there you go hey that's (laughs) We we can all relate. That now we're becoming more relatable on the podcast, Nick, and that's what people want. People want to listen to people. They want to listen to. This is why you like watch celebrities because you're always like, oh my god, they're just like us. That's what we are. That's true. We're we're celebrities, and we want to try to connect with the you know everyday man or woman or person, uh, and and feel that you know, oh my goodness, these guys, they're so famous, but they're just like us. Nick Nick doesn't shave because he's tired. That's wow. I don't do that either. So I'm just trying to get us trying to get us more in tune with our listeners. If there's one thing I love, it's relatability and not just pure content. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get to so the does news? Anyone who listens to this podcast, <laughs> let me tell you, oh, there's nothing if not uh, relatable material on this podcast we rarely get into actual content but damn if we don't have actual content this week holy buckets i know i'm stealing jordan's joke here but this would be a shorter podcast if we didn't talk about who was injured dad jokes it was well delivered too uh so we're going to run through everything that went down in week two all of the injuries that occurred how you're going to be able to survive them at least wade through those waters. Uh, that's the news. And then we're going to, uh, we're going to talk of some players that we love and some players that we hate uh, after their uh, week. Now that we're two weeks into the season. So before we do that, let us hit the news. And if you missed week two of uh, NFL football, basically everyone you ever cared about or drafted on your fantasy team got injured. Uh, and we're going to start with the running backs because that was the position that took the biggest hit which is kind of 
the norm these days. The two biggest names, Saquon Barkley, Torres ACL, he's done for the season. Uh, that puts Deion Lewis in line for the starting gig in New York. Uh, he filled in for Barkley, had 10 carries, 20 yards, and a touchdown, four catches, 36 yards. Christian McCaffrey is out two to six weeks with an ankle injury. Mike Davis now is the RB2, now RB1 in Carolina. Uh, he had eight catches for 74 yards, filling in for McCaffrey Sunday against the Bucks. The injury list rolls on. Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman both left Sunday's game with injuries. Mostert seems to be week to week, uh, while Coleman is likely to miss most, multiple weeks. This uh, means Jared McKinnon is basically the lone healthy offensive player in San Francisco. He had three carries for 77 yards and a touchdown against the Jets. And finally, Cam Akers was banged up against the Eagles, leaving with a rib injury, leading to uh, Daryl Henderson going off for 12 carries. 81 yards and a touchdown, two catches, 40 yards. Jordan, if your running back room was impacted by any of these injuries, are you targeting any of these backups in particular uh, to help make up for the loss? Or is there another back on waivers that you're looking to add to kind of help mitigate the blow that your fantasy team has just taken? Um, so I think as far as the big names go, like with Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, I'm not all that interested in their backups because their teams have kind of showed us that they're not that great. Uh, so it looks like they're probably going to have to pass a lot. Uh, the team that could probably weather their running back injuries the most and who just seem to have gotten smacked across the face with the injury stick this weekend is the 49ers. So if I was trying to grab a waiver wire back, it would probably be Jarek McKinnon in this case. Um, I think for the past couple of years, uh, Shanahan has shown that he can kind of turn a lot of running backs into very productive guys just based on his scheme. Um, and I guess we already saw it on Sunday. Granted, it was against the very lowly Jets, but still I would probably target McKinnon over every, all the other guys. Nick, what about yourself? Uh, I'm, yeah, I think I'm going to take a different angle here. So my, Mike Davis uh, is not like, he's not all that great, but with running backs, we don't really need him to be all that great. So this from, uh, from Adam Levitan's uh, Twitter timeline today, Mike Davis ran 17 routes in relief of Christian McCaffrey and was targeted on eight of them. He caught all eight. Uh, you don't have to be good in fantasy to produce. You just have to be used and be somewhat proficient. And uh, the Joe Brady, Matt Rule offense has shown that they're going to go out guns blazing every week. So if I did lose CMC, I'm, I'm absolutely prioritizing Mike Davis as like their new bell cow. Basically, he's not going to do what what McCaffrey did. But I think with his usage and his type of usage, uh, he's he's going to be an RB2. Um, I totally endorse the idea of getting Jarek McKinnon. Uh, but I'm absolutely also trying to get Jeff Wilson Jr. And I I don't know if I. I think I might actually want Wilson because I expect him to get more of the like Raheem Mostert early rushing role than I do McKinnon. That said, I would be putting in claims for both of these guys and would be happy to get both Wilson and McKinnon on the same team. Um, as far as acres goes, which I don't recall if you mentioned him in the number of names at the beginning there. Uh, it looks like Henderson has it right now, but I think this is like, one of the truer uh, truer committees in the league, albeit an efficient one, which is much different than, say, like the Lions or the, the Bucks. Yeah. I think you guys both talked about the two people who I feel like are the biggest priorities of, of the backups now in RB1 roles. Jarek McKinnon, 
I mean, it's been forever since he's like seen the field and hasn't been injured. But if you think way, way back to when he was with the Vikings and he first got that big deal with the 49ers as a free agent, like he came in for God, who was the Vikings even running back? Was that Adrian Peterson? Did Adrian Peterson miss time back in like whatever 2016 and Jarek McKinnon came in for him and spelled him and was, and was great. I don't remember. Maybe it was Latavius. It was it was Jarek and Matt Aziata as oh the the one two. Oh, Vikings! Peterson. Vikings are oh, you you went from like the depths of the depths to flirting with the uh, upper shore. Now the Vikings are sinking. The ship is sinking again. But uh, Jarek McKinnon has has a lot of he's a lot of talent, and and I think he will work very well in Shanahan's system. I trust Shanahan too. To like of all the coaches, and Jordan touched on this. Like I trust Mike Shanahan or Kyle Shanahan, excuse me, uh, to, to make this offense still operate at a high level, even with all of the injuries they sustained. I agree with Nick about Mike Davis, who steps into a clear role with no one really to challenge him. I do think that this, if you're, this isn't a waiver wire ad, but just a little sneaky guy. If you have Curtis Samuel, I think Curtis Samuel is probably going to get an uptick in like backfield usage, uh, which is, nice if you're a fantasy if you're a fantasy manager of curtis samuel uh i do want to say it's tempting and you should and i i'm sure there are articles i wrote a, a waiver wire article and i had to mention him because you can't not mention him but don't go spending all of your fab or thinking that Dion lewis is like the running back to get of this crew uh saquon barkley barely was able to do anything behind this Giants uh, offensive line and just in this Giants offense. Deion Lewis, as much as I love him personally because he was on the Patriots and was great on the Patriots and is just a a very talented player, he is a small running back who we have not really seen that much of in recent years. And like I said, he came in to spell for Saquon Barkley and had 10 carries for 20 yards. Uh, So I'm not excited for Deion Lewis as like this stepping into Saquon Barkley's role and being a a huge contributor. I would much rather go get Mike Davis or, or Jarek McKinnon. I believe there was a report also to help you out too, Pete is there was a report, I think from Jordan Renan, who's a Giants beat reporter who said that Wayne Gallman is likely going to be that guy. And Deion Lewis would kind of keep the same type of role because Gallman somehow has impressed the coaches. I don't know where that came from. We've seen Wayne Goldman as a starter before, but uh, who knows? Maybe it's something new with this. With this new, they're also uh, they're also working out Devonta Freeman. Not the Giants Brady. are so whatever his name is. There, there's, there is, there is. Uh, I just, I would stay away. This is now you're like stay away from the Giants backfield. Stay away from the Giants in general. I, so uh, I, I'm glad that we we uh, corrected or wrong by not starting with the Saquon Barkley thing, or or at least following it up, uh, following up CNC. I think Goldman will get the lead and Dion Lewis frightens me a little bit. That said, if, if you're of a deep team, then I wouldn't have an issue with you taking, with you taking a, a gamble on Lewis. I do think that Wayne Goldman should be taken seriously on waivers though, perhaps behind Mike Davis and, and Jeff Wilson. Um, and, and then maybe I probably before McKinnon for me, but uh, with what you just mentioned, Jordan, about potentially uh, them bringing in Javante Freeman, if you were in like an, awesome spot in your league and have a roster spot to burn i would absolutely put a waiver claim in on him like if if you're not if you don't need production right now but could just use a running back down the stretch then i would i would 
probably prioritize uh, Freeman over Gallman because I think if Freeman actually gets hired, then he's their guy. Yeah. Uh, and just the litany of uh, running back injuries that we just read off. I have a hard time feeling like Devonta Freeman is going to enter like a team week three of the NFL season is going to come and Devonta Freeman will not be on a roster. I feel like it's a foregone conclusion. He's signing with someone um, and it maybe and maybe most likely will be uh, the Giants. I also, uh, if you want to buy into a committee, a guy who is not stepping into an RB1 role, but is likely on waivers, and this is probably your last time to claim him, Joshua Kelly. This is now two weeks in a row that we've seen him get like solid work in the Chargers backfield alongside Austin Eckler. So if you are, if you are, uh, that's another, another avenue to go if you are uh, needing to replace some, uh, some running back talent in your fantasy team. Well, now, if you thought that just running backs got hurt on Sunday, I have some sad news for you because ooh, every position was hit. Uh, we'll go with the quarterbacks now. Jimmy Garoppolo is out for a couple of weeks with an ankle injury, and you've got Drew Locke is out for three to five weeks with, I think it's like a rotator cuff injury. Nicholas, neither of these guys are headline names, but they do impact their offenses in big ways. And I, for one, now need to replace Jimmy G uh, in my super flex league. So who's a good quarterback to target on waivers in your mind if you are suddenly finding yourself, if you're in a super flex league uh, and you're needing that second QB or you're in a 30-person league and you're just like, well, shit, I need to I need to find someone because Jimmy G was my starting QB. Well, so uh, maybe we have different info here. I don't think Garoppolo has been actually ruled out. I think that he's, it's still uh, – I think it's been wavering – yeah, it possible. seems like he's he's week to week, and he's possibly going to play against the Giants. Okay. I could also see it as a situation where uh, they're like, it's the Giants. I think part of that is they were saying that the Niners don't want to play on that same field again. Yes, like that's also as far as like bringing Jimmy and George Kittle back. Gotcha. Little posturing. Um, yeah. uh, so okay, so one thing uh, I guess I'll say is that I, I was actually kind of. Uh, impressed by uh, Jeff Driscoll was just like launching bombs deep. And I mean, if you're looking for a filling guy, I, I, uh, you know, I wouldn't be happy with, yeah. I mean, like we, we, I'd rather have somebody uh, backup who's willing to walk in there and take uh, deep chances rather than just like a dink and dunk guy, like a David Blau from last year that we know isn't going to do anything. Uh, That said, if, if Tannehill is available, should definitely, go at him. Uh, I just, uh, as a very, very brief note, we should insert miles Gaskin at the back of the running back waiver mm. wire ad. And I, I spaced that's on a, that, but that's a good, that's that a good one, Nick. Yes. For the, for the um, Dolphins. Yeah. And then, I mean, as far as, as any other quarterbacks go, uh, I don't know. I mean, you might be able to try to like buy low on, on Wentz, but I, I don't hate Driscoll. Well, there you go. A rare Driscoll plug. Uh, Jordan, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Driscoll. I like that he uh, was able to just kind of step in and it didn't look like they uh, gave him any sort of like, oh, we need to get him some warm up shots. Like, let's throw a screen to the running back just to get him going. Like he stepped in and was trying to finish and win that game for him. Um, one guy who this might be a big stretch, but one guy who might be worth taking a shot on here to get some more. Uh, expected points added for fantasy in the coming weeks is Dwayne Haskins. If he's still available in your redraft leagues, Um, he's thrown it over 30 times each game. Uh, He's got to up his completion percentage a little bit. Maybe you should target Terry McLaurin a little bit more. Um, He has an idea. 
yeah, he hasn't thrown any interceptions. He's dropped a pair of fumbles. That's not great, but he hasn't thrown any interceptions yet, which is good. And um, I think with the Washington defense, they're like number one in DVOA right now. And they have the like number one pass defense by DVOA right now. So that defense could keep them in games that they're just, they should have no business being in. Uh, so maybe, maybe if you're still taking a shot, I'm looking at a, I have a 14 team redraft league going up right now. And the only guys I have are like five starters who might be available. Maybe you pick up Tua in case Ryan Fitzpatrick gets, I mean, I don't know why they're still playing Ryan Fitzpatrick at this point. Might as well throw Tua in there. Yeah, two is not a that's not a bad one, especially if you're in an Uber. If you if you're like you, Jordan, and you're looking at your league right now and you're like, God, there's really no one buy, buying on Tua, or despite the fact that uh Anthony Lynn is like fervently saying that Tyrod Taylor is their number one quarterback and is a hundred percent going to start if he's healthy, Justin Herbert came out uh in a surprise start in week two and looked pretty damn good. Uh he made some rookie mistakes, obviously, but he looked pretty good slinging that rock around. And we know the chargers have plenty of weapons uh, for him to like succeed with. So if he is not rostered, uh, he is definitely someone who I wouldn't mind picking up and kind of like stashing. I just, I don't personally see a way that they are going to go back to Tyrod Taylor, given how, I mean, Justin Herbert, they almost beat the, beat the chiefs. And Justin Herbert was, was a big reason for that. They're a poorly run team. I wouldn't put anything past them. The, uh, <laughs> They, I mean, they they doubled down like it wouldn't an hour be an episode saying, without Nick shitting on the Chargers. Sure, right. Uh, they, but Anthony Lynn, like an hour ago, was talking about how you know he's a backup for a reason. Um, anyway, Gardner Minshew in in a number of leagues. Uh, I'm just I'm checking out the uh, ESPN's ownership right now, but I know in in Yahoo, if we're just talking home league, yeah, he's he's only less than thirty percent of leagues in oh, go on, get on both platforms. His his upcoming schedule is Miami, Cincinnati, and Houston. He's going to pummel all three of those defenses, and at least in two of them, he should have the the opposing offense pushing him to throw more. So yeah, go get Minshew. Yeah. Oh, 100% back that. Plus, as we've talked many times about on this show, it's fantasy football. Like, have someone to root for. And how could you not root for Minshew Mania and that mustache? Good Lord. Um, all right. Well, we're not done with inter- in- uh, We're not done with injuries. We're not done with injuries quite yet. Uh, two wide receivers. My Paris, my Paris Campbell hype train crashed and burned real fast. Uh, I think it's he sprained his MCL uh, or, or some sort of knee injury, which... It looked like an ACL, so thank goodness it wasn't an ACL tear. But he is out indefinitely, according to the Colts. And then Cortland Sutton did tear his ACL, uh, and so now he is done for the year, which, I mean, that just thrust Jerry Judy, obviously, into that number one role and Noah Fant. So if you have those two guys, like, well done. You're, you're in for a big production. Uh, this is why you go out and draft a, a, you know, a young stud wide receiver and always build up that wide receiver room. Paris Campbell is tough, man, because God damn it. I was so high on him this week. Uh, and he did, I mean, not to his, not to his fault, but like he got injured and, and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, and we'll touch on a little teaser, but we'll touch on the, uh, the Colts passing game a little bit later in the show. But do you guys have any feelings for, kind of what this how this changes their offenses and respectively if you've lost like a Cortland Sutton where you're going to go find that uh find production to help fill that hole um 
to be honest, I'm a little bit worried about the Colts offense as a whole right now. Um, just because they just don't look like they're clicking yet. Um, they played the Vikings defense that looked, I mean, the whole team looked pretty rough on Sunday, but they also are pretty devoid of secondary help and they still just did not look like they were connecting the way they should. Uh, that being said, Michael Pittman Jr. made a few nice grabs. He was running really crisp routes, which you like to see because he didn't like come out in the season winning that third wide receiver spot like we kind of expected. And that went to Zach Pascal. So he might be worth picking up on the Colts. Um, and on the Broncos side, if Jerry Judy isn't already gone, maybe if you're in a deep league, take a flyer on some KJ Hamler stock. Uh, he made his NFL debut and got seven targets, saw a carry. Um, so maybe he's like a little gadget guy who could get some really nice, uh, you know, miscellaneous type of usage. So I like all those names. And uh, what I want to add to them, I'm just checking one more injury right now, is uh, so what, what we know, what we know that Sam Darnold is going to do is he's going to target somebody in the middle of the field uh, who he doesn't have to throw very deep to. Uh, the uh, Twitter sphere is swimming with all of the Chris Herndon is now only a blocking tight end, and I hate it. It makes me upset. And Jameson Crowder is, he has a hamstring. We don't yet know when he'll be back. The sneaky play or the sneaky, uh, yeah, the sneaky Jets play last week was to start Braxton Berrios, who, you know, Pete, you know him from his time in New England. He's a a teeny tiny. He's a small white slot receiver. Of course he's gone through New England. Yes, a little uh, shifty slot receiver. Uh, When I say tiny, I mean, uh, yeah, 5'9", 190. Anyway, he's, he, he fits the the bill as the like Jameson Crowder light option. So if you were in some sort of PPR format and you're needing a startable receiver, monitor Crowder's status. But I would be adding Braxton Berrios, uh, another guy who seems to be I, I, perhaps uh, not pushing Hayden Hurst for the number three role. But we mentioned him last week. Russell Gage is he's like this he's Falcons offense, he's man. Like, what are we doing here? I mean, so they're just going to end up like they're going to end up leading the league in passing attempts and he's getting serious work. If there are some matchups that they have down the line where the work or where the, the op, the opposing team isn't expected to be like a high scoring unit then I could see shying away from him. But I think at this point gauge is he's, he's had nine and 12 targets in the last two weeks. Um, in his, his upcoming schedule, Chicago, so there's a defense we don't fear. Green Bay, maybe an offense we that will help. Uh, Carolina, Carolina is the best team to start anybody against. So at least in the short term, I think Russell Gage is is, is going to bring some serious fantasy value. Uh, the, the last receiver that I'll mention here is Demir Bird. This is somebody I kind of speculated on uh, in the New England team preview a little while back. He never really did a whole lot with Cam Newton when when they were together in Carolina, but they were they were on the same team for like three years, and I kind of figured there might be some sort of chemistry building up there. Now he isn't he, he hasn't been um, blowing up box scores per se, but he, they they Cam has absolutely been looking his way. I uh, let's see, he had he six was, catches. He was for heavily involved Sunday yards. night. And yeah. He, so here I can get the stats. He had. Uh, Nine targets, six catches, 72 yards, and a tackle. That that so, versatility is always something you look for. 
Yeah, if you happen to be in a defensive player league in that match <laughs> yeah. point. Um, so I don't know if he's going to be relevant necessarily against Las Vegas, but if you're really looking for help in week four against Kansas City where it's like a surefire shootout, I could see you finding value there. Uh, the last two names really quickly, Pete, you mentioned Fant as kind of the guy stepping up in place of, of Cortland Sutton, and I agree with that. I think if you're looking within the Indianapolis offense to uh, to try to replace Paris Campbell, it, you know, it's going to be a different position here, but anybody could use a new tight end. Mo Cox is a friggin' baller, and it's really goofy that he's been stuck behind Jack Doyle. Go check out what he did. I think he had like 111 yards this week. I, I don't recall how many. Uh, receptions but the in the if you go check out like his is just game to game production when he's actually had opportunity he looks really good yeah Yeah. down jack doyle down paris campbell they they need the slot or tight end kind of middle of the field receiving game option i i like mo Cox a lot um quickly nick i just want to you 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 stopped too early on the falcons upcoming schedule it's not just chicago uh, Packers and then Panthers. They then play the Vikings, the Lions, the Panthers again, and then the Broncos, and then they have a bye week ten. So you're talking like playing through of the next, you know, whatever six games they have. Four of those are against the worst defenses in the NFL. Buy this offense. Yeah, yeah. He's a set it in your flex and, and forget it. And you know, he doesn't. He's not going to carry the same ceiling as like Julio and Ridley. But you know, anybody who's getting close to nine targets and 10 targets a game go for yes yeah you can start him uh to wrap up the news a little bit of good news kenny galladay's coming back soon so that's nice and there's and there you go that's just we're just gonna end there on that small little small little glimmer of hope at the end of the bleak bleak shithole that we just climbed through All right, well, we're going to get into uh, some players we love, some players we hate, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. We introduced the Panic Index last week. Uh, as a recurring segment on the show. And as we love to do on this podcast, it has been rebranded to the quote, one player I love and one player I hate in fantasy football after watching the most recent week of football segment. Uh, We are workshopping a better and more nuanced name. Bert is on that. He's the head of our fake team stats and information. So he is going to come with that. Uh, But we each have a player that we, after their work week one and two, like up until this point in the season, we are love we feel better about we have found renewed confidence in or just you know someone who we're very excited about moving forward for the rest of the year and then also a player who we hate or someone we're worried about and starting to uh 
sweat under the collar, as they say. So let's start off. Let's start positive because we just talked. We spent the first 30 minutes of this show talking negatives. Um, so, Nick, why don't you start us off? Give us a, someone who, after two weeks of this NFL season, you are like, yes, I am in. I am excited. I am loving what I am seeing. So I, I try to tip people off to this in, in the preview series. Antonio Gibson is, uh, I think he can be a really special player, and he has a lot of stuff going for him. So he was a receiver slash running back in college. Uh, he, he's a very, very talented pass catcher, and he is huge. He's like, I, off the top of my head, I'm not sure, but I think it was like 6'3 or, or 6'2, like 210. Like this, he's just a, a big body player. Oh, my Peter, God. Yeah, he's 6'2", 220. Somehow I thought he was yeah. like a small little scat guy. Nah, so he's, I mean, he's like a larger David Johnson kind of a, a profile where it's like dynamic receiving guy. Uh, so a, a couple uh, sources to cite here just on on his, his usage over the last two weeks. So from Hayden Winks, uh, snaps went from 18 to 43 in, in weeks one to two, routes eight to 22, carries nine to 14. Uh, his His... He had a 67% uh, snap rate. Uh, that's from Gerard Evans. The Washington backfield does not or has not had a real bell cow. And what we the, – the kind of the X factor here is offensive coordinator Scott Turner. Uh, you all might remember him as the OC in Carolina last year. And I'm not trying to say that Antonio Gibson is now Christian McCaffrey, but what you have is an offensive coordinator who has stated he wants to use – this freak athlete built like a Mack truck in the same capacity that he used Christian McCaffrey, that massive jump in usage from weeks one to two is really, really promising. If you are in need of really like uh, not just a running back, but just someone who's going to, I think like a potential floor RB two, maybe RB one back. I agree. I think that by the end of this season that it's entirely feasible that Antonio Gibson is flirting with top 12 to 15 running back numbers. Now, this week is going to be good. He's got Cleveland. Next week, Baltimore. That's really unfortunate. But I think out of the gates in Baltimore, L.A. Rams, New York Giants, Dallas. I mean, that's a three-game slate where I think you have a high upside running back, too. Uh, so if, if he, he's he's rostered right now. A lot of people have already started to add him, but uh, if you were able to acquire him, perhaps via trade or or otherwise, I would get. I'd be really excited about Antonio Gibson. I am uh, now that I now that I see his size and think more about it. I'm a little upset that I added him to my wife's roster instead of my roster. <laughs> God damn it. I think you have some making up to do in, in your fantasy relationship anyway, right? <laughs> this is true. I did bench DK Metcalf and Leonard Fournette. So, but in, in who knew Leonard Fournette was suddenly going to become a hundred yard rusher, and two touchdowns. And I stand by my DK Metcalf call. It was a fucking amazing throw by Russell Wilson and an amazing catch by DK Metcalf to score a touchdown. So I stand by my choices, but yes, Becca will be very pleased that she now has, the second coming of DJ, David Johnson, but better. Basically Christian McCaffrey, but better. Uh, I love the Antonio Gibson play. Um, I we've talked we talked about him a little bit in the off season, and I I tried to grab as much stock of him as I could in redraft leagues. Uh, just watching 
some of the things he did in college. Uh, he lined up in the backfield, but he also lined up in the slot a lot, which was pretty interesting. I'm not sure. I haven't watched them that closely. I'm not sure if they've used him in that capacity at all yet, but that might be an opportunity for him. But that's also just an indicator that, you know, he can catch passes, which half point PPR, full point PPR, that makes him like much more valuable than some of your standard backs who just have brick hands. Look at you, Sony Michelle. Uh, Jordan, who are you, who are you all pl- plumbed and pleased with after week two? Um, so I'm not too pleased with the current output. This is more of a uh, potential thing. And um, I, I just may be wishing because this is a pro AJ Green podcast and we love AJ Green here. Um, I, I saw that after Thursday, there was a lot of concern over AJ Green because he had three catches and 13 targets, which wasn't great. Um, I really think though, he, he looked a step slow, mostly because he hasn't played actual football in like 18 months. He played, I mean, he played last week, obviously, but I still think he's knocking the rust off a little bit. Um, he got the targets that I thought were necessary from Joe Burrow. And, uh, I forget who it was, but I was able to catch a, like a clip of somebody who compiled this on Twitter. They compiled all the targets that AJ Green um, received. Uh, obviously he caught three of them, but there was at least six uncatchable balls that were thrown his way by Joe Burrow, which uh, isn't great. So you, I think partially Denzel Ward is a good cornerback. Um, so he was pretty much blanketed by him all night, but at the same time, um, AJ Green isn't really that kind of wide receiver anymore. So he might be a little bit more reserved for uh, some of the worst passing defenses in the league, which is probably outside of his division. Anyway, um, per PFF though, this was pretty exciting for me to see is that he's sixth among players in expected fantasy points through two weeks um, being minus 26 uh, in terms of fantasy points. He has 16 on the year when uh, PFF says is expected is 42 fantasy points. So hopefully there's a positive regression in that regard. And maybe as that connection between he and Joe Burrow begins to develop a little bit more, we'll start to see that. Um, and just kind of watching the Cincinnati offense, we were a little bit concerned about the spread of the targets because of all the weapons that are all the perceived weapons that they had, but at the same time, it looks like it's just going to be Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, and Drew Sample. Um, John Ross has been basically a non-factor, and uh, T. Higgins, who I know Nick just doesn't even like at all, uh, hasn't like played at all. So I think if, as long as it's like those three, AJ Green could be a pretty valuable flex guy for, uh, you know, maybe when you have the bye weeks coming up in a couple of weeks, or if that uh, connection really starts going and you know the 32 AJ Green finds a little bit of fountain of youth this season so he to me is just a total conundrum and and shout out to yeah to you Jordan I cannot uh, sorry I don't like T Higgins I just don't like people <laughs> thinking he's gonna be amazing because he, he's like Nick you, you have a personal challenged. vendetta against him I think he I, he like stole you know I don't know like lunch from you when you guys were in high school together or totally <laughs> I, I just a 31 inch vertical is I, like 
I, I could probably do a 31 inch vertical. I might be able to do that. And T Higgins needs to have a way higher. Vertical this is, this is what we're me. dedicating the next podcast to is just <laughs> seeing whether or not Nick can have a 32 inch vertical and you 31. listeners will love it because this isn't, this is a visual medium that we operate in. <laughs> I'm, I'm down one MCL. So he has me beat on that, but so, Perfect. okay. So, so here's the thing. So uh, entering Monday night football. So Henry Ruggs, who has a preposterous, 60% of team uh, of his team's air yards. I, if that holds, then like he's a wide receiver one and we all need to just go at him. But uh, green is two, three, four, five, I think he's seven in, in overall percentage of his team air yards. At the same time, he only has 1.9 yards per separation, 1.9 yards of separation uh, on his targets. And this is from next gen stats. I mean, what, what I'm seeing here and, and people, I'm, I'm not a very good film watcher, so I rely on other folks to do that. But the, the word on AJ Green that I'm seeing is that he does look a little bit athletically compromised at this point. So I don't know what, how much to weight his usage versus his ability at this point. And to me, he's a total conundrum. I didn't end up drafting him uh, really anywhere. Um, the usage is there, though, for him to have, like, top 15 numbers so I, I don't know i mean I, I think if you're able to buy them low i guess it's not a bad call just because it's really hard to find guys with this kind of usage but i i i'm, my, I'm throwing my hands up on this one i i don't know what kind of advice to give people yeah i think the biggest thing going for green and i and jordan alluded to this too is just like you're hoping that the connection with joe burrow emerges but also that he his role changes to being like this kind of like Des Bryanty, where it's like big play downfield or in the red zone. You know, it's not it's not peppering with targets. It's not uh, running slants across the middle. Like that's all Tyler Boyd and AJ Green is there to be like win jump balls, whether it's thirty yards down the field or in the red zone or in the end zone. And the loss of uh, CJ uh, Ozuma is certainly something that could help uh, in terms of like getting green more red zone looks. I agree with you, Nick. I like I would I would love for him to to like flourish and shine and like it just sucks that he's having the best quarterback he's ever had at 32 after a missed whole season of injury. And yeah, speaking of the quarterback, the one thing we we did not touch on is that Burrow had 61 friggin' attempts last week. So that does inflate AJ yeah. Green's, I think it was like 12 targets uh, last week. So I, yeah, again, total conundrum. If you want to buy low because the, the usage is there, I, I that makes sense. I I don't know what to do though. Um, I want to hijack this section to talk about the pure and utter wonder that is a healthy Cam Newton. And how you listeners uh, should do as we, a podcast, say. Because, guys, I'm already feeling like Cam Newton is our 2020 Lamar Jackson success story. I mean, do we not recall when we told everyone last year to be like, go draft Lamar Jackson, he's going to win you the league. And then this whole offseason, we're like, go draft Cam Newton, he's going to win you the league. Cool. That, that was the comment that I made in the preview. Was exactly, yeah. like the team previews, exactly. He's this year's Lamar. Like, I have them everywhere. I, Don't I, overthink I left it. every single draft with Cam and nobody else. And yeah, it's awesome. So happy. Our other victory seems to be like maybe the late one that we had in saying, go get Julian Edelman. Because <laughs> we did call I know. that one. I like Julian Edelman setting career numbers. His 
second game without Tom Brady. Sucks to suck, right, Tom? <laughs> Maybe you're not that great of a quarterback. Uh, Cam Newton, two rushing touchdowns in each game. Patriots' whole red zone offense is just like, Cam, run the ball and defense. Try to stop us, which I am here for. The biggest reason, though, for my excitement is just against the Seahawks, he made some beautiful from the pocket throws, uh, including a couple of gorgeous bobs to the aforementioned Julian Edelman, who roasted Jamal Adams down the field more than once. So, Seahawks, are we really thrilled about giving up 700 first-round picks for a guy who Julian Edelman beats? Lordy. Um, but Cam Newton's shoulder looks fine. He, You add his high rushing floor to like this awakening, emerging passing game, and yeah, I, I, I don't feel like Cam Newton being the QB one this year is a wild thing to say, given just what we've seen so far. And he's just so much, so much fun to watch. Uh, and just a healthy Cam Newton makes the NFL a better place. And every time I watch him play, I'm just so fucking happy he's on the Patriots. Yeah, I think that whether you're in a real football sense, whether you're a Seahawks fan or a Pats fan, however that game turned out, you're pretty happy about both your squads. And that game was I don't, amazing. In I'm I'm just in two redraft leagues this year. One of them I grabbed Kyler Murray, and the other one I grabbed Cam Newton because I'm like I don't understand why you just wouldn't take the flyer on him because he was definitely going in the late rounds. Yeah, there was some injury concern, but I don't think he would have won the position so outright and so like resoundingly if he wasn't 100% ready to go. And they just come out and use him basically as a running back it's incredible I so to, to close drafting season he was being drafted in the 12th round and uh everybody should yeah if you were listening to this and then you should have drafted him uh he is a beast his accuracy like he is such an insanely complete quarterback and, I, and I'm, I'm just leaving his rushing out of that like i Pardon me for speaking in an inflammatory manner here, but if if you are still in the crowd of Cam's not a good passer, I think that there is something other than football analysis that's motivating you to say that. Um, now, adding in his rushing ability, I, he's he's the best red zone rusher in the league. That said, Bill, I can't believe that friggin' play. That should you, that final play spread the defense out. Why did you go jump? I, I mean, did the not thing like is, that though, the, to me, to me, that one is like. You ran it three times. You scored three touchdowns. Like, can't, I mean, I just think that was a great play by the Seahawks. Like, I, I don't think Bill's, I, I don't think Bill's going to change that at all. Uh, just because I think, I think the Seahawks it. just guessed right as to as to where he was coming from and blitzed on the right side. I agree with that. I just my, now I'm just becoming a nerd here. You, you just <laughs> score a lot more when you're rushing and you spread out. Like, I, I think, and somebody else pointed out why take Edelman off the field. Edelman should have been on the field. Should have like really threatened the pass spread everybody out and then or bill just wanted one, to like one, bill it. just wanted to lose to be like guys we're not quite there yet but we will get there and everyone thank like, you okay, Pete, yeah, for the objective it. patriots we're in it. We're analysis in it. we're so there. in it we're so in it god i love cam newton but oh. yeah he's amazing he, he's so friggin' good it's awesome it's he's really so fun good. to watch He's so good. Anyways, okay. Let's move on to players we hate uh, <laughs> or players that we are worried about uh, and starting to sweat about. And I'll start us off. Uh, the, uh, my Naheem Hines train uh, crashed and burned real fast, uh, which isn't great. But uh, that's not who I'm worried about. I'm worried about – I'm starting to get real worried about Michael Gallup, you guys. He's only seen five targets in each of each game this season, 50 yards in week one, 58 in week two. Against the Falcons, he was out-targeted by Cooper – 
Lamb, Zeke, and freaking tight end Dalton Schultz saw like 10 targets. It's like, what are we doing here? Come on. Um, I thought he was going to be a lot more of like what we're seeing on the Falcons where Gallup was going to emerge as the Cowboys Calvin Ridley. Or as we've talked about at the beginning of the show, if he was the Calv- if he was the Cowboys Russell Gage, I'd be happy with that too. I have him in multiple leagues um, and I was kind of trying to buy on this buy into the Cowboys offense, but not spend high for Mari Cooper and get Michael Gallup. But I'm starting to be worried. I'm starting to worry that he is not emerging or hasn't so far been the player that I was uh, hoping he would be in this offense. Yeah. Uh, this one hurts for me too. I, I had to really painfully part ways with David Johnson to acquire Gallup last week, which I was really happy to get rid of DJ. But anyway, Gallup, uh, this, this might just be a miss on the season. I'm not really sure. He's an extremely talented deep threat. I, I don't think that he's outside of the like top 10 in just pure downfield receivers uh, in the NFL. One thing that we may have all overlooked was Zeke's increased passing game usage. Obviously, C.D. Lamb has, has uh, sucked up a bunch of targets, but we thought that would be the case with the, the departure of Randall Cobb, and we figured um, – we figured Lamb would, would absorb some of Jason Witten's vacated targets as well. But I, I'm wondering if, if Zeke – so Zeke had uh, – he had seven targets in week two and uh, and four in, in week one. So, I, yeah, I, I'm not really sure what to think here. And it's it's troubling that this is happening in – in high scoring shootout games yes that's the thing that worries me the most is it's not like these are like defensive battles where they're having a dink and dunk a lot of time where Dak is under like significant pressure where they can't get it downfield like these are like chuck the ball around and let's score 40 and he's just not involved in that and I do not love to see that the the only thing we can I think hang our hats on is the fact that in in both games he's had one major game get wrongfully overturned uh, I'm still holding out hope, but it's been it's been a bother. Yeah, I think through two weeks, I'm definitely guilty of overhyping the Cowboys' offense so far. Um, it maybe that just the just wild onside kick attempt and ending up winning that game. Maybe that's the spark that kind of lights the fuse for the Cowboys and they start to get rolling. But I am a little bit worried that Michael Gallup might be a um, he might end up ending as like a top 25 wide receiver, top 20 wide receiver, but only in like total points where he just comes out one game that you just kind of have to gauge or a couple of games where you have to figure out, okay, when is it going to be the Michael Gallup game rather than a consistent like 15 to 20 point guy. I'm hoping he gets there, but it's, uh, it's not looking great so far, but it is early. Yeah. That, that what you just described there, Jordan, is my literal worst nightmare. So thank you for putting that back out there into the uh, into the ethos. Uh, Jordan, who's on? Who's someone that you're worried about? Um, so I'm not ringing the panic bell just yet on Kenyon Drake, but I am a little bit worried about uh, his particular usage in a fantasy sense. Um, right now, he is the running back 21 in PPR leagues, and you likely picked him up in like the second or third round. Um, But I feel like when you draft him in that area, you want a little bit more than 11 to 13 points per game. Um, Even if that's like his PPR standard right now, Uh, he only has one rushing touchdown, which uh, the worry comes is 
from Kyler Murray, who is looking like he wants to go for an MVP season. Hell um, yeah. Kyler Murray has three rushing touchdowns compared to Kenya Drake's one. So he is definitely a um, vulture as a running quarterback. Um, I believe it was Andrew Erickson with PFF. He wrote an article this summer uh, trying to look at to see what kind of negative impact rushing quarterbacks might have had on running backs. And um, I should have taken this a little bit more seriously because they definitely do have an impact on how many rushing touchdowns that a running back can score um, because they are, uh, you know, just that dual threat capability keeps the defense on their heels. Um, so I just want Drake to be a little bit more involved um, in the offense, especially in the passing game. He only has two targets in the past two weeks and uh yeah, I'm just I just want a little bit more out of Kenyon Drake going forward. So one, I don't think we should press the alarm bells uh, on him quite yet. He told us on Twitter today not to do so. So I'm going to trust Kenyon on that. Front. Kenyon knows Kenyon. Yeah. There's no one who knows him better. <laughs> so uh, Chase Edmonds is super sick and everybody should own him. I think he's like I think he'll be one of the next stories of just backup running back who becomes starter has three awesome fantasy seasons, like different form of Michael Turner kind of a thing. Uh, what I'm taking solace in is that in week one, uh, Kenyon Drake went up against a healthy ish, uh, San Francisco 49ers defensive front last week. He had to contend with Washington. Uh, these next couple games, Detroit, Carolina, New York jets, Dallas and Seattle, which all you of love these all of have, they have varying forms of like existent and non-existent defensive lines. So I'm, I'm leaving the light on for Kenyon Drake to kind of smash right now uh, in the next few weeks. If he doesn't like if, if I mean, but you know, in, in half point PPR formats, he's, he's kind of crossing that double digit play. I don't know if he doesn't actually post some like serious uh, damage in the next two weeks, then I'll probably be pretty good. I'd be concerned, but I think I think there's hope right now. And the one thing I would say, Jordan, that that this isn't a narrative I'm entirely creating myself, but uh, so please uh, cite me as a source when this comes true. Uh, maybe he's getting a lo- not that much work in the passing game because they have just been force feeding it to DeAndre Hopkins to rapidly develop a connection between him and Kyler Murray, since Hopkins has seen whatever had 20 catches in like two games, which is just mind-blowing and so maybe as the season rolls on and that connection has already been established the passing tree will extend out to more players rather than just let's force feed let's force feed it to deandre hopkins and kyler murray run for 50 yards and a touchdown but i I mean i feel hopeful just hearing that schedule alone um any team that's playing the panthers right now i'm like that's a cool 25 to 30 points for a running back uh, he's still in the top 10 in terms of DVOA for running back. So he's still being pretty efficiently used. Um, I guess this, this might be a good scenario in which maybe you can buy low from somebody who's panicking, which I was, but I'm not anymore. So don't come, so. don't come sniffing around me. <laughs> <laughs> don't sniff around Jordan, you guys. All right, Nick, wrap us up. My player that I'm panicking on is friggin' T.Y. Hilton, who's dropped touchdowns in back-to-back games, or at least had dropped last week and I believe uh, registered one or two just dropped passes in week one. 
the whole day has really changed for the Colts offense uh, in, in week two, if, if he just hauls that one in and it was just like in the bread basket and, and dropped it. And what was even frust- more frustrating was that he tumbled onto his back and it just like hit his chest. And I mean, he, he, he had a second chance on it. Um, his, their, their upcoming schedule, the jets, the bears, the Browns and Cincinnati. So I'm, I'm tenuously hoping that, that he can turn things around right now. But the fact that even after Paris Campbell went out, he was not able to just take over the game was really, really worrying to me. So I, you guys tell me, tell me what I should do with my T.Y. Hilton shares. Oh, I would say sell them. I would right now I would sit like use the schedule. Cause you're right. He plays the jets, uh, which is, that's great. The bears and the Browns. Those are fine. And then he plays the Bengals, which is great. And then Detroit, which is great after the bye. Use that, sell them to someone who like can see the potential upside because I just, I dropping two sure touchdowns, like maybe you, and maybe you're like, well, if he catches those big different, like he now is a a much more productive fantasy receiver. That's great. But at a certain point, if he's dropping balls consistently, a Philip rivers is going to stop going to him or lose, you know, not be as confident and B, I mean, what he's 30 years old. The guy just might be kind of not great anymore. (laughs) And so, uh, and with Michael Pittman there as a rookie with Paris Campbell, I mean, he's indefinite. So fingers crossed. He might come back at some point. Jonathan Taylor looked great. Um, uh, running the ball there this offense could like completely shift around who they're built uh, and ty hilton could be on the outside looking in i like just you describing what you were saying nick in the back of my head small part of me was like well maybe i should buy ty hilton i think you capitalize on the idiot in your league like me who has that thought and get him off your roster so even if he does bounce back like it's not going to be a wide receiver one I don't think he's going to produce wide receiver one numbers and it's just going to save you from the stress of like having to constantly monitor him. That's my advice. Yeah. This is part of the reason I said I was worried about the Colts offense as a whole before, when we were talking about Paris Campbell is that uh, T.Y. Hilton and Phillip Rivers just don't seem to be on the same page, partly because T.Y. Hilton is having those concentration issues. Um, at the same time, Phillip Rivers might just, be too washed to be able to develop a connection with a wide receiver like this anymore. And on, on the other side of that is that T.Y. Hilton, who I have in a dynasty league. So I feel like I'm that meme of that guy, like poking with a stick, like do something please. Um, <laughs> but he, last time he played 16 games was in 2017 and he still only ended up being wide receiver 28 in PPR leagues. Um, so it hasn't been great since then. Uh, 14 games in 2018, 10 in 2019. Uh, so this is just kind of, I don't know, it just feels like a snowball effect. If you can sell T.Y. Hilton high right now, then I kind of recommend doing it. I don't know if I would wait around to get top 12 sort of fantasy relevance out of him. Good job, us. We have uh, made Nick reconsider all of his life choices. And that's what we're here for. Also, congrats to Mike Evans and Austin Eckler for getting off our Dunzo list this week. Good way to way to bounce back and have a have good weeks. So well done, everyone. I also branded our list of players who we're worried about. It's called the Dunzo list. Shout out to Tom Haberberg. 
right. Well, there you go. There's the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That is how you'll not only get us, but also our fantasy baseball and basketball podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at PM Rogers. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27 and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you on Thursday to talk week three starts and sits. Uh, hope you have success on those waiver wires. Until then. Peace.